Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. While you're standing, go with me over to Luke chapter 10. How many's ready for the Word today? How many's ready for the Word today? Amen. I need that encouragement today. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10. We've been in a series, fascinating series, about angels and demons. This is the fourth installment of that series. This will be a two-week mini-series on Satan, the fall, and the promise. Satan, the fall, and the promise. And I don't teach this a whole lot, Uh, so if you're new with us today or listening to the podcast and you kind of caught that your attention with the title, uh, seven years in being a pastor, I've never taught on this subject before, but it is in the Bible from cover to cover. Now, as a youth pastor, we talk about it all the time. It's very, you know, interesting. And so hopefully you go back and listen to previous messages because they kind of build on one another, and I don't have time to go back and recap on it all, but... These uh, two weeks, two messages here, we're going to talk about uh, evil. How many believe that there's evil in the world today? And uh, I was reading a statistic, and there were uh, 62% of Americans believe in a, in a devil. Uh, that was encouraging to see that many. Uh, 30-some believe that there is no devil, but evil is in humanity, the evil in humanity, and the rest are kind of undecided. Well, in your Bible, from cover to cover, it paints a totally different picture. That there is an enemy. He is the source of evil. He is a fallen angel, which we're going to see today. And his name is Satan. He's got many names. The accuser of the brethren, Lucifer, the dragon, the serpent of old. He's called many different things. What you really got to know is this, basically. Jesus came and he told us two things. He said, God has a plan for your life. And you have an enemy that also has a plan for your life. I was down at Life Challenge at the chapel down there as these men and women are trying to overcome addictions. And I basically told them the same thing, that you've heard it, God, you've heard it said God has a plan for your life, and he does. Satan and the enemy also has a plan for your life, and this is what it was. Jesus said, I come to give you life, and life more abundantly. The enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. All we have to do is believe in Jesus, follow him with all of our heart, and realize that Satan can't touch you without any permission from God. And uh, try to make this as simple as I can as we talk about this topic, but our victory is only found in Jesus Christ. But Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20 kind of sums up what we're going to discuss today. And it says, Jesus is talking to 70 of his disciples. Many think he only had 12 disciples. That is false. He had many more than just 12. Those 12 later became apostles. But he had many followers and disciples. These are 70 that he just sent out into the towns to preach and to lay hands and pray for people. They returned in verse 17 and with great joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample. This is very important. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all. 
If I say all, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. All the power of the enemy. When we prayed just a few minutes ago, you, I want you to know you serve a God that is greater than the miracle that you're facing. I don't care what it is you've got going on in your life. God is greater than whatever it is that's attacking you or whatever it is that you're facing up against. You just got to believe that. Come on. Is there faith in the house today? Then he says in verse 20, nevertheless, he says, don't rejoice in this only, but that the spirit, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And let me just say this as I did it last week, as interesting as this topic is, let us not get off into spooky spiritual stuff and to lose our focus on the main thing. Let's keep the main thing in the main thing. And the main thing is this, is we are called to win the lost at all costs. We are called to help people find Jesus Christ and get into a relationship with him. It's always been about saving souls. It always will be about saving souls. End of discussion. Amen? That's what he says. This is interesting. Thank God that you've got power over the enemy, but rejoice greater that your names are written down in the book of life. How many, how many are here and say, my name's down? How many say, I'm really not sure? Amen. You came to the right place. By the time you leave today, you'll have an opportunity to know that your name is written down. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you just open our hearts and our understanding today as we look at the enemy that is coming after to steal, kill, and destroy your people. But let us also see that you are greater and we've got power in your name. And faith through you, God, is how we win the battle and overcome this world. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Amen. If you have um, ever questioned about how did everything get like this, how did everything happen like this, and we are in such a fallen and broken painful world where sin and disease, if you've ever had those questions, somebody's ever had those questions, usually you start getting older and you start getting to the point where you start looking around and go, man, why is everything just so messed up all the time? That's because the Bible teaches that this world is broken and you've picked a good Sunday to come to because we're going to talk about it here today. We as Christians, listen, our, our call to have, part of our calling is to have some answers for people. You don't have to know everything, but you do need to know something. Peter said it like this. Let me give you this. First Peter 3 said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. So Peter said, you should always be able to be prepared to be able to give an answer to what you believe. I don't think it's a sin to not read your Bible. I do believe it's a sin to never read your Bible. I don't think it's a sin to not know the Word, but I do think it's a sin to never know your Word. Because you then would have to ask yourself, why don't I know my Word? If you ever, by the way, are faced with a decision and you want to get some wisdom, one thing that have helped me is I always ask myself, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I commit in that relationship? Why wouldn't I take that job? Why won't I join that church? Why wouldn't I do that? And sometimes that answer helps reveal your attitude toward the situation. If you, why, why don't I marry that guy? And the answer is because he still uh, sees his ex every now and then. I mean, no, that is not a good answer. To, 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 that ought to help 
let some light bulbs come on. Come on, somebody. Amen. Or, or why, why, but why don't I, how come I don't know the Bible? What is the answer to that? Is it because I really just don't spend enough time in the Word? That'll help us say, hey, man, I need to get back into the Word. We need to get into the Word. Sooner or later, you have got to learn the Bible. <laughs> have you found that out? So, but let's get right into this here today. And you need to know something about Satan and, and the spirit world as we've been talking about it. And that is this. I, mean, I wrote this down in a nice little summary. Before God created Adam and Eve, God did, he created a spirit world of angelic or spirit beings. This is in your Bible. And there was a chief angel, the anointed cherub, Lucifer, who instigated a rebellion resulting in his being expelled from heaven, followed by one-third of the angelic host. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. That God, before he created heaven and earth, before he created earth and, and humanity, he had a spirit world that he created. I, I didn't put all the scriptures up on the screen, but they're in the book of Job. And it says, when God created the earth, these sons of God sang with joy. The sons of God are the, are the angels there. And so on and on and on it goes. So where do we get uh, Satan from? Where does he come from? How did this happen? How did the brokenness uh, get in our life today or in our world? And so I want to put some of these scriptures together, and we're going to start here in Ezekiel. Now, this, is, this has been kind of a teaching format for me, and I'm uh, more of a preacher, so we're going to try to do this. And i got two pages of notes and 13 slides, I think. Amen. We'll see if we can do it. Amen. I'm going to try to stick to this. Wednesday night is started back up, so I'm going to encourage adults to come on out. We have adult Bible study every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and we've been teaching and talking about revival and the awakenings in the book of Acts, and so we encourage you to come out for that as well, and uh, how many know church does you good? Get into the house of God, getting into the presence of God, getting around other believers, worshiping. How many are feeling good right now? You're glad you came to church. You see that? This is what you would have missed if we would have stayed home. It just is a blessing when we come together, however you drive, however distance that you drive, and you get here, there is a blessing that God commands and he gives to his people whenever we corporately come together to worship him. Amen. So anyway, we get right into this, talking about Satan. Okay, Ezekiel 28. Now, let me set some context here. Say, um, Ezekiel is a prophet, and the Lord told the prophet to go and prophesy to the king Tyra. And he begins to talk to the king Tyra and prophesy against him because he was very arrogant and prideful and he was going to fall. But in the middle of the prophecy, he then seems to address a spirit being behind the government. We learned that last week that there are spirit beings that are connected to the natural realm. You see this in Daniel and in other places. And so that is what is happening here. And he says in chapter 28, verse 12, he says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfected in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. See, this is how we know this isn't King Tyra himself, because he, he wasn't nowhere around Eden. And in case you think it was another Eden, he's very precise, and he says, the garden of God. And every precious stone was your covering. And he lists these beautiful stones that he had made. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day that you were created. 
These are instruments, and I don't have time to break down all these different instruments. There's been studies made on the instruments that are mentioned here. All instruments are in three categories, the cymbals, the wind instruments, which are the pipes. So you got the timbrels and the pipes, and the only instrument not mentioned are the drums. And so it's believed in many old traditions of the church that drums and the sound of pounding is an indicator of spiritual warfare. And uh, me being a drummer, I kind of like that. That's okay. But to solve any argument, the Bible says, uh, and, and that's why God all, always says, clap your hands, all you people, is because it's believed that when we clap our hands, that's the only instrument Satan didn't have, and so we attack him. And there's a lot of, there's books written on this stuff. It's fascinating. It's very interesting. But for the sake of argument, God does say in, in the Bible to uh, worship him on every instrument. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. On the harp, on the stringed instruments, on the cymbals. So all instruments are to be used to praise God. Come on, somebody. Amen. So some churches don't have music instruments. I feel sorry for you. You are missing out. It is nowhere in the Bible that we are supposed to come to church. And how are we going to get so excited? Why is the world got to have all the instruments and take all, you know, all of that? And we're supposed to worship the God of heaven in silence. It makes absolutely no sense to me. God created the music. He created it. And it was used to bring glory and honor to him. We love music. We, music is spiritual. That's why you can put a little toddler up and play some music. And that little baby, you start doing this. Or something like this. Or whatever it is. I don't do it. You ain't going to see me do that. I'll start breakdancing up in here. Come on. Hit that beat, Pelly. I don't know if I brought my cardboard in us. Bringing cardboard, what does that have to do? <laughs> Google it, amen. Music is from God. I want you to see that. It was meant to worship God, the God of heaven. It's beautiful. And the church ran away from it. Oh, no, that's of the devil. Just like many of the church in the old day ran away from television. That's of the devil. And now we're seeing it's a wonderful tool. And we're begging for money just for one hour to reach the world. I mean, the church has got to get over this stuff and say, hey, realize that these are avenues that we can to take dominion over it and to use it for God's glory. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right. Thank you, Mom. You get what I'm saying. Got to lighten it up a little bit because it's going to get kind of heavy. Amen. Talking about Satan. Okay, so we understand from this that Obviously, he was involved with music, and here's it continues, and it says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. You were the anointed cherub. He is not one of the cherubs. He is a class. He was in a class of his own, the anointed cherub. Cherub means same as, as the, um, the other angels. That means fire. They're both interchangeable. He, he was bright. It can mean shiny. He was beautiful, he was perfect, and he had musical instruments, and he said, God said, I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God. There is a uh, scripture all in the Bible, even in Revelation, that there is a place 
in the spirit realm that is a mountain of God and it's believed where God's throne is even though God is omnipotent he's omnipresent but there is a place that is a designated for his glory and his throne room and it's on this this mountain we will see it one day in Revelation when you get to heaven it is there in Revelation 20 and it says that the river of life uh, a river of life came out of the throne see our church is the only church in the Bible amen so, amen. And he goes on to say, on the mountain of God, and then you walked back and forth. This is still describing uh, Satan. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Scholars believe that the fiery stones represent the council. They're, reference, they're referencing the, the council that God has chosen to use in him making decisions in the earth. I didn't go really deep into that, but it is in Scripture. The most popular uh, example is in Job 1 when it says the sons of God presented themselves before God and Satan himself came before the Lord. And he had a council session. It's again in the Old Testament where God was going to take down a wicked king who would not repent of his sin. So God said, who will go and cause the downfall of Ahab, Ahab and Jezebel? And the spirit spoke up and said, I will go and be a lion spirit. And God said, go. I mean, you have these scriptures and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what? What is that? And, and as you study them, it's fascinating to read. And God, it's not that God needed a divine, divine counsel. But he has chosen to do that. He is sovereign. Much like, actually, he really don't need us. But he has chosen humanity. He has chosen us to be the vessel in which we preach the gospel. He don't need us because he did use angels in the book of Daniel to help interpret and bring the gospel and the, and the interpretation of the word of truth to Daniel. But he has chosen to use us. So he was a part, Satan, Lucifer, was a part of this divine council. He was in the presence of God. He was a, some sort of a uh, worship leader. Where he, That's why he would walk back and forth with these musical instruments. He was a chief musician. And so music is something that he had from the beginning, and it was a gift to him. He says, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. And there it is. There's the origin of evil. It was not existed before then because Satan was perfect until then, until iniquity was found in him. Verse 17 tells us what this iniquity was. There are two types of sin in the Bible. I've ministered on this before. Transgression and iniquity. Transgression is an outward sin. Iniquity is an inward sin. That's why the Bible says Jesus was bruised for our iniquities because he's even covered those sins. You bruise is internal. He covered even those kind of sins. Come on, somebody. Sins that are internally or externally, Jesus has covered it and paid that all on the cross that he died on. But iniquity was found in him, verse 17 says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You were corrupted with wisdom for the sake of your splendor, so I cast you to the ground. And many, some may think it was a big, long, drawn-out battle between Satan and God and that he was going to just battle for, for millennia. No, it was nothing like that. God simply said, and Jesus told about it, I saw that. I was there. Satan fall to the earth. He fell like lightning. 
God said, that is it. I am expelling you. You're no longer welcome in my presence. To the earth you go. And he fell like lightning. It's over. There's no match for that battle. And we'll get into why Satan actually thinks and how deceptive pride can be. So what sin is that? Obviously, it's pride. Pride is the first sin. That's the sin that some has said it is uh, where all sins come from is birth in pride. It's interesting to think of that way, but it was the first sin of there. But I wanted to focus on verse 16, and this is where we're going to go. Verse 16 says that he became, you became filled with violence within and you sin. So you have pride. What is this violence within that he had? It's jealousy. Jealousy. James comes along and tells us that sometimes the big battles that we get in ourselves, that we fight and wrestle against, are the jealousies that we have within. We pray and we do not get what we pray for because we pray for, we pray with selfish motives. I didn't put it up there. Let's go study it. It's good. But he uses the same terminology to describe jealousy as is used here in the Hebrew, violence within. What is Satan, why was he so jealous? What caused this rebellion? You and me. God said that he was going to, to make man in his image. He was going to create another creature, another being, after he created the angelic realm. And he said, this, this being that I'm going to create, I'm going to make in my image. And I'm going to give him dominion, which means to rule over the earth. Satan didn't like that plan, so he rebelled. After all, he's the most beautiful that God created why didn't he get a chance to rule and not just play worship all the time? And so that was found in him. And so we get to God creating man in the book of Genesis. As you get to it in Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I want you to see that I'm purposely emphasizing these words, then let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, over the birds, over the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it, which means overcome. How many know you were designed to be an overcomer? You were created to be an overcomer. Whatever that is that you're facing earlier that we prayed, guess what? You were called to overcome that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That ought to build your faith today. I was created to be an overcomer. Tell the person next to you, I don't know about you, but I'm an overcomer. You need to learn to say that. That's good. You were created to be an overcomer. And then he said, have dominion over every living thing that covers the earth. So write this down, class. This is big. The main difference between humans and angels, big difference is this, the plan and the purpose for humanity is the main difference. 
the plan that God had for making man, the plan that he has for you, the plan that I have for you, says the Lord, know that they are good and not evil. They are not to harm you, but to do good. He's got a plan. We say it all the time. God has a plan for your life. He does. He has a plan for humanity. And secondly, the purpose of why you were created are the main differences between humankind and the spirit realm. Is, it, is this good? Is this okay? You gotta, if you don't know your purpose, it's best said like this, if you don't understand your purpose, then abuse is inevitable. If you don't know your purpose, abuse is inevitable. I've used this example many times. You can go into the River Kids area, and I guarantee you there's a little kid in there playing with a Hot Wheel, but he's not playing with a Hot Wheel like a car. He's trying to put it in another one of your kids' face, in the ear or in the nose. There's a number coming up right now. You better go check. No, I'm just kidding. Why? Because a, a child doesn't understand the purpose of a car. He, he's a child. It's cute. It's harmless. They're a child. But it's not cute when you're 16 and you're putting stuff in your arm because you don't realize the plan and the purpose God has for you. It's not cute when you're a married man and you're still acting single because you don't know the plan and the purpose that God has for a husband. All you ladies ought to be shouting right now. Come on. I, I, I set you up nice for that one. And men, you want to be a better man? I know I do. I want to be a better husband, be a better dad. Come Tuesday nights at 7. It's not trying to get people to come back like it's some kind of a manipulation. Listen, if you don't come, then don't get mad at God. If, things, if you don't read the word, how can we ever get mad at God if things are going wrong? He's left us the number one best-selling book. Come on, somebody. In human history right here. Pastor Eddie, I want you to just give me a word because you're Pentecostal. I heard about you guys. <laughs> Amen. I believe in the prophetic word. I gave you an example of my aunt. That was an amazing story. Built her faith. But if you don't go to Kroger, if you shop online and they deliver the groceries to you, come on, somebody. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways to get it. You still need a word. Guess what? You got 66 books filled with the word. Come on, somebody, that's good. You got to get into the word. What's the main difference, his plan and his purpose? And let me give you three of them real quick. The main differences that God made human. This is how you discover your, what we're learning to discover your plan, his plan and purpose for your life. Number one, we're the only ones that God made as a triune person. We are a trinity. Mankind, humankind is a trinity just like God is. That's why he said, I'm going to make man in my image. And if you go back and read that one verse, he says, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In the very first scripture in your Bible says, in the beginning, God. When we went to Israel, my tour guide gave us the, the Torah, the Hebrew Bible. I don't know why, because I don't read Hebrew, but anyway, it was a cool gift. But I did go back and look at that one verse, and sure enough, in Hebrew, it says, in the beginning, Elohim. English translated it God. Why is that important? It's important because Elohim is a plural word. First verse of the Bible, God has chosen to introduce himself as a trinity, as three in one. Three, but yet one, but I don't understand it all. But when I get to heaven, we're going to understand everything. Honestly, I think the biggest noise that you're going to hear in heaven is not just hallelujah. I made it. 
it's going to be seriously this. Oh. <laughs> That's why. Seriously. And some of them are some big O's. Why in the world did I go through that? I think the first thing in heaven is going to be, oh. And then the second thing is you're going to forget your list of questions you were going to ask him. Because you're going to fall down and see the beauty of who he is. And you're going to say, you know what, that little thing was so trivial. Why my car didn't start on that day. Or why, and it could be something serious as a disease or a loss of a loved one. When you step into eternity and you realize how short this little thing is that we just spend all of our money and time and energy on in this thing called life. In comparison to eternity. That's why I love the scripture when it says how beautiful it is in the eyes of God, the death of one of his saints. See, God looks at death different than we do. Why does God get excited about that? Because I believe he gets to say, here, let me show you something. You think earth is something? I made it in seven days. I've been working since Jesus returned on this place. What did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. There's room for all of you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in God. If it were not true, I would tell you, but know that if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return to receive you again so you may be with me. All right. I got to quote the whole thing or I'll forget it. That's how I do it. Amen. God is a trinity. I don't understand it, but that's how he's chosen to show himself and Jesus when he was getting baptized. You have the son standing there, Jesus Christ getting baptized. Uh, uh, the clouds open up. A voice comes down from heaven, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. We have these examples throughout the word of God of the Trinity. We are Trinity, but the best one is that you and I are Trinity. You and I are spirit, soul, and body. And by the way, we try to grasp and, you know, we try to get things like the egg. God has left testimony in nature for us to kind of help us with this. Like the egg. You know, you have the shell, you have the yolk, and then you have the white stuff, creamy stuff. They're all three the egg, right? You take the shell, it's still the egg. You have, you can use water, H2O. You have liquid form, you have ice, you have steam. They're all three different, but they're all three Water. My favorite is the sun in the, in the sky. It's the ball is like God. It's not God. We don't worship the sun. So don't tweet that or put that out on Facebook. Amen. It is an example, an analogy. It would be like God, the Father. The bright light that you see is Jesus, the sun. And the warmth that you feel is like the Holy Spirit. St. Patrick used a three-leaf clover. We're getting ready to celebrate St. Patrick's Day here in America and around the world. He used a three-leaf clover. Do you know that? He was a missionary that about gave his life. He was sold into slavery, got out of slavery, and went back to the people that enslaved him and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do we do to honor him? People drink green beer and talk about leprechauns. Have no idea. It's almost like something is withholding truth from us. Wear green, get a pinch if you don't, I don't care. And at least know what the man stood for. And he used the three-leaf clover to teach on the Trinity. So I can go on and on and on about this, but the Bible says we were made, Paul said it in Thessalonians, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord. I plan on going into a series about the mind after this later because you know what the biggest problem is in all of our lives is that thing in the middle, that soul. 
That's what gets damaged throughout our life and when we're kids and things happen. This is where we, we, we retain emotions and soul ties. It's deep. And when you get saved, the spirit is awakened to God. Until then, it is dead. It is, the Bible calls it dead because it's not in communication with God. But when the light of the gospel, when you hear about Jesus Christ died for your sins, and you can be forgiven of all your sins, and you can start a new life in him, then you're, what's happening? The light of the gospel is shining. Then when you say, I want this, forgive me of my sins, Lord, come into my life, you are then born again. What is born again? Your spirit is reconnected with the Father. And only the spirit of God can heal the soul. The body is a lost cause. Took you a little longer to get ready this week than it did last week, didn't it? Or two years ago. We try everything to hold everything up and make up, put a little bit on, you know. And, hey, makeup, we ain't against makeup. Pastor friend of mine said, hey, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Amen. I mean, that's what. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. That was. That's what he said. I don't know. I thought it was funny. You know, you wish you could take back words. <laughs> if you find out, if you can create or invent a device that can, like, take back text messages, you would be the wealthiest man on earth, let alone our words, body, soul, and spirit. Number two, got to keep going with this. Se second main difference is this. This is good, that God chose to reveal himself through man and woman. In other words, we are the only creature we are that are not spirit that can procreate. Angels do not procreate. J Jesus made this very clear. Angels do not. We can, pre only us can procreate. And God has chosen to do that. If you go back at that one scripture, can you put that one scripture back up in Genesis where God said, let us make man in our image? Because for so long this has been taught in the ancient world, in the old days, that women, this is a man's world. But I want you to see something here. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed who? Them. And then God blessed them and said to who? Said to the man. I thought he's not, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said to the man. He said to them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over every living thing. Who's he talking to? He's talking to them. By the way, men, we can't. Be fruitful and multiply without the help of a woman. Come on, somebody. Amen? That is exactly what the scripture teaches, and this is exactly what God chose to do. He said, I am going to create man, and I'm going to create woman, and this is something for you to think about, the feminine, the, the feminine qualities and traits that have been assigned to females are actually a part of God's nature himself. Where did she come from? It's not that God is weak, and there's where we go. There's where we, miss it. we misunderstand it. But the qualities of being gentle and being kind and being a nurturer, those are traits that are assigned and are more dominant in a female than it is in, in a male, absolutely. But I want you to see they both came from God. And so God's plan was for man and woman to come together and be united because God is all about unity. And we can only procreate when we are united. You can never 
procreate outside of that model. I don't care what America says. I don't care what the world says. It is impossible to procreate another human being outside of the model that God has instituted, and that is a husband and a wife. That's God's model. So what is the, in God, in fact, he, in fact, encourages intimacy. Here's another problem the church has had for a long time. It's not talking about sex or sexuality. Now, if your toddler is here, I, they should be in River Kids. Amen. <laughs> here we go. Amen. First Corinthians says this. That's why we got kids ministry. But God says this through Paul. He says to the husband, do not, de- actually to both, do not pro- deprive each other accepted Uh, except for mutual consent and for a time of fasting and prayer. So he's assuming that we are fasting and prayer, praying more than just the first week of January. And during that time, you're seeking God, you're, you're, you're neglecting yourself from any pleasurable things. And so you are doing that to humble the flesh and keep the flesh on a leash. Come on, somebody. And seek him in spirit. Paul, this is a common knowledge. But he goes on to say, then come together again. So that why Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So he's saying, husbands and wives, be intimate. Some of you just found your favorite scripture verse in all the Bible. (laughs) Let me tell you to read the whole chapter of 7 because he starts off by saying, woman, you don't own your own body. And man, you don't own your own body. But you think that's something, go read Song of Solomon. We ain't got time for that. What? It's in there, brother. And so we as a church, we, we're trying to be silent about it. God created it. He created intimacy. He created all you single people, just pray. Hey, Amen. Come on, get, get through this segment. It's for all the married people. Come on, somebody. That's God's model. Now, you can obviously have these, try to indulge in these things outside of God's covenant. And many do. And in our culture today, they do that their own way. Why do they do it their own way? Where do they get that from? They get it from Satan himself because Satan is all about division. God is all about unity. Only when we come together can we procreate. Only can we come together as a people. Psalm 133 says how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing that runs down from Aaron, down his head, down his beard. It's like the water that comes down from the Mount Hermon. It is there where I command the blessing. Where does he command a blessing? It's guaranteed when we come together. What does Satan do? His own thing. The word division means die is a prefix, which means to vision. Here it is. God's got a vision for humanity. He's got a vision for your marriage. He's got a vision for your finances. He's got a vision for how to raise kids. He's got a vision for you to treat one another. He's got a plan. He's got a path. God does. It's all in the word of God. It's all in there. So does Satan. Satan is all about his own way, doing it your own way, doing what you feel. I just read to you in Ezekiel, that's what cost him to get zapped into earth. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees. These were like the Pope, the most religious, respected people in the community. They had the robes, and there's nothing wrong with being a Pharisee. They just missed the mark. They focused on external things, and they missed the heart of the issue, literally. Jesus looks at them and says, you are of your father, the devil. 
Because the desires he wants to do are the same desires you want to do. Could you imagine bringing a pope or a cardinal or someone who everyone would immediately recognize, a pastor, I say a, a priest because they have the outfit, and look at them and say, you're a child of the devil. I'm just using this example, just saying. This, that's what Jesus did. His point was, they looked good on the outside, but inside they were living the way they wanted to live. Church, there's where our problem is. It's not a red man and a pitchfork running around. The enemy is trying to get us out of God's design, out of God's plan, and to do what we feel like we should do. Do what everybody else is doing. Doing what the culture says to do. Follow their example, and it leads to destruction. It's in your Bible. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And I'm going to show you in the next message about one of Satan's tactics of how he does it. He gets us off our base. So why? Jesus said this, any kingdom that is divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided will not stand. You can put any kingdom, you can put any marriage this is why so much tension is in many marriages. Is because the husband and wife have two completely different visions. That's where we got to unite. And it's hard. I know. Been married. It'll be 28 years this year. That beautiful brown eyed on the front row. The one in the red. I know there's a lot of beautiful brown eyes on the front row. Mama's going to make me a pie for that one. I just feel it coming. Apple. Anyway. <laughs> and marriage is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever do, but I ain't going to lie. It's one of the hardest things you're going to ever do. All the married people say, preach, amen. It's, a, it's adjustments. It's a life of adjustments. Got to work at it. Got to change. What are you, what's changing? The two becoming one. If we're not, we're going to fall. The enemy wants to divide families. He wants to divide churches. He hates what he sees right here. He's, he hates seeing all the different age differences and ethnicities and economic differences driving from all over the place. He hates coming together and worshiping one God. He hates it. Because every time we do that, it's saying unity. It's saying God. And he wants, to be, he wants your life to be broken and confused. Rejecting God. That's what he wants. So, the third thing, and this was the one that, that really caused him to rebel and the jealousy to really get him, is because we're the only creation that God said, I want you to have dominion and rule the earth. God's design and plan was to have the Garden of Eden. You've got to have a little bit of understanding of what the Garden of Eden was. The Garden of Eden was actually a connection between the spirit realm and the natural realm. It's fascinating to get deep into it. I don't have time. But it is where God and man um, had relationship. And everything I've said so far, if you're an angel, it's saying, wow, he's wanting a more intimate relationship with this creation than he does me. That's why Lucifer was jealous. And then he turns around and he gives man, and he says, I want to give you a job. Adam and Eve, I want you to take what the Garden of Eden is, and I want you to multiply it and let it spread throughout the earth. I want you to have dominion. That's why Jesus said in our opening text, all authority has been given to you. Why did he say that? Because two weeks ago, Satan said to Jesus, all authority has been given to me. 
He stole it from Adam. You get it back in Christ. That's why you can't break a habit. That's why you can't change. Oh, I try so hard to be a better person. You don't have the authority to do it. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority. Come on, somebody, to become children of God. The problem is, we have a re- you got to receive Jesus. You can't just know about him. You can't just come to River of Life. You can't just tune in on the podcast. You can't just learn the songs. Come on, you got to receive him. You got to say, I want you, Jesus, in my life, in my marriage, in my finances, in my body, in me. Come on, I want you in me. Okay. Okay, hallelujah. May go a few minutes over, so we're gonna buy lunch for all the River Kids workers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, because I gotta finish this. I gotta finish all this today because we gotta move on. But I want you to see this. Um, Satan hates that to rule like God. Angels don't rule, and he gave it to humanity. Satan said, "No, I ain't going for it." He rose of rebellion. He took a third of the angels. Revelations 12. Took him to the earth, and rebellion's been here since then in the earth. This is what Satan said in Isaiah. Again, Isaiah is now prophesying to a king, but he all, all of a sudden addresses it to a spirit behind the king. First John says, do not believe all things, brethren, but test the spirits. We're so clueless on this. Spiritual discernment is not just looking at entertainers being entertained. I can go watch a movie and be entertained. I love the movies. I go in there and I just forget I'm a pastor, a daddy of everything. Don't judge me. I just say, hey, I want some popcorn and I'm going to watch, I'm going to go watch Sonic because I like Jim Carrey. He's a little crazy, but he's hilarious. And so Sonic, you know, I, I just love, I don't care what it is. I'll go see a cartoon. I love to go in that environment and just watch entertainment. But here's the thing with me. And here's the thing where you got to be. Later, when they interview Jim Carrey or any one of our lo- beloved celebrities, it's awesome to be entertained by them. But when they hand them a microphone and say, what do you think about marriage? What do you think about sexuality? What do you think about these big, hot topics, political? We tune in. And because they make us feel good, there's the soul, we eat up everything they say. I'll show you next week that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light exactly what he's talking about there. I'm not hating on all the celebrities. I pray for him. I pray for Kanye. I hope he gets really, stays on fire and I hope he brings revival to the whole Kardashian clan. I do. I think it would be awesome. I pray for them. But I know when I hear a celebrity give their view, I say, okay, I filter it through the word of God. I love you. You made me laugh in that movie, but I don't believe that, brother, because the word of God says this. You've got to get to that place in America. Don't be deceived. Can y'all handle this on Sunday? That's exactly, and, and America's like eating it up. Oh, Twitter, tw- just eating up all these, oh, look what this person said. Then you start going, yeah, wait a minute. And the next thing you know, you're finding yourself headed on the wrong path. Satan said in his heart, he says, the five I wills. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Are you are cast down to the ground? You who weaken the nations for you, 
and you have said in your heart, and these are the five I wills that Satan said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars of God is a reference to angels. Job said when God created the earth, the stars of God sang with joy. It's not the ball of gas out there. It's another word for an angel. He said, I will rise above the angels and above God. He goes on, I will be like the most high. And he goes, five, those five I wills that he says. But I love how God responds. And God responds with the five you shall. You shall be brought down to hell. To the lowest depths of the pit. Now this is the promise, part of the title of the message. Satan, the fall, and the promise. We're going to go deeper into this promise because you need to see what happens to Lucifer at the end of this thing. What happens to evil? When will it ever get better? It's not going to get better. I don't mean to be negative. It will not get better on planet Earth for humankind without our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we are called pilgrims passing through. Enjoy life. Enjoy vacation. Raise your kids. Get a good job. 401K. Everything you can. Eat some good steak and apple pie. Hallelujah. Have barbecue seasons coming. Come on, somebody. I love it all. But at the end of the day, I know I'm just passing through. So I try my best to, in, to put into my daughters, my children. One of them's getting married, so I know grandkids are coming. Because I just read it to you. That's the way God designed it. So you know what's going to happen? We're going to love on them grandbabies. I'm going to teach them the Markham way. The Markham way is on Sundays we go to church. I don't even have to do that because my daughters will do that. If not, mama will call them. Why? Not that we're being mean or hard because this stuff, what I'm telling you, is real, man. It's real. And we want to see them in heaven. We want to see them worshiping God and understanding God. Not going through the pain and the mess that I had to go through because I was so rebellious and stubborn and going to do life my way. 25 years old, my life crashed and burned. And guess what? They were right. So I got saved. God's got a sense of humor. I'm now your pastor. <laughs> you shall. Be. Then he says, watch this. I love this verse. He says, you shall be gazed at and all shall consider you. And they will say, is this the man who made the earth terrible? Who shocked kingdoms? Who shook kingdoms? I don't have my glasses on. Who made the world as a wilderness. Listen to this. And destroyed the cities. Who did not open the house of his prisoners. When we finally see Satan in this form, in his fallen state, he's not the supreme being that he tries to make us out to be. He is weak and he's defeated. And when we finally get to see him, all the people of the world will say, is this the thing that has caused so much problem? Is this the thing that has fought against the gospel? Is this the thing that came up in this organization and destroyed this family and has held this family bound by this substance, by this sin, by this problem? Is is this the thing that has weakened the nations? And I love it in Revelations, the Bible says one angel comes and takes the serpent of old, Satan the devil, Lucifer, and grabs him with a chain. One angel. You realize that you've got more power in your pinky finger than Satan has in your life when you are a believer and in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
evil will be done away with. Revelation says there will be no more wheat, no more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow. And we talk about it at funerals and we go on about our life, but it's a reality. So let me end with this quote by C.S. Lewis because now, now i got to address free will. That's the big problem people have with God. Why did he allow it? Why did he even put the tree in the garden? Why did he, he knew this was all going to happen. You ever had those questions? I know I have. You're not the only one. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite scholars, he says, If a thing is free to be good, worship team, you can make your way. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. Please listen. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Please listen. Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automatics, of creatures that work like machines, would hardly be worth creating. He goes on to say, the happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight. We would never know what love is. God saw it from a distance. He knew Adam and Eve was going. And here's the thing. We always think, I know I did, I would love to go back to the garden. And say, Adam, I would tie Eve up in a cave. And I would say, Adam, don't you go near that tree. By the way, how come Eve was by herself if he was called to be the protector? That's next week. When she brought it to Adam and said, hey, the serpent told me to eat this. Adam, if he's the man that he's supposed to be, should have said, hey, woman, Eve. What did he do? Okay. I know, that's how we are. But here's the thing, we would never know what love is. And I'm not, that's not just a general answer. Do you know what the Bible says is the, is the, is the most powerful force known in existence? We got a whole chapter. There's only two entire chapters dedicated to a topic in your Bible. One is faith, Hebrews 11. The other one is love, 1 Corinthians 13. The only two chapters, two subjects that are dedicated he says, without love, we're nothing. Without love. It is awful to see the tragedy on planet Earth. But how awesome it is to see humanity stand up and unite. Even at 9-11, you saw the Democrats and the Republicans on the steps. Wouldn't that be awesome? No mention of Bush. He was the president. Obama. Trump. So I just divided you right there just by saying a name. <laughs> For once, they said, you know what? All of that ain't as important as what happened to us as a nation. They locked hands and they sang about your God. I'll never forget this one statistic. In the state of Texas, 500 divorces was canceled on 9-11. We just get so caught up in this stuff. Let's all stand.
whole thing is about your free will. God's given it to you. He's given you the ability to choose who you're going to serve. I said, said it last week. Everybody's got to serve somebody. You serve. Even the atheist is serving somebody. I worked with an atheist. I was my greatest conversations was with him. I said, you know, you got a God. It's your opinions. And I said, you know, you can go through life not believing in any of this that I say. And I'm going to go through life believing what I believe. And when I die and you die, people's going to say, if there is no God, if none of this is real, they're going to say, man, Eddie was a pretty good guy. He lived by a pretty good code. He was a pretty good dude. If there's nothing up there, that's all they'll say about me. But I say to him, if I'm right and you're wrong, and there is a heaven, there is a hell, this is real, and you do die. It's a totally different outcome. Are you willing to take that chance? And I pray our answer would be no. I choose Jesus. I don't understand it all, and believe me, I don't. And I didn't attempt to give you all the answers because I don't have them. I just gave you some things to frame your thoughts on from the scripture and some understanding of how to pray and how to live and how to be more urgent and passionate about things in life and get our priorities straight. That's what this whole thing is about, demons and angels and Satan and all of that. Then we're going to move on to other things, but I think it's important that we understand the world in which we live. It's about the souls of man. Can you bow your heads right now? If you're here today, say, Pastor Eddie, I'm not sure where I would go if I died today. I'm not sure but I want to be sure today. I want to be born again today. I want to submit my life to Jesus Christ today. Pray for me. Just lift your hand up right where you are. I'm not going to bring you up today. I'm going to pray for you right in your seat today. Say, pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. I need to make up. I want, I want to make sure I'm ready to go to heaven. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Just put that hand up today. Amen, amen. Put that hand up. Respond. Pray for me today. Amen. I see that hand. Pray for me today. Come on, respond. you got to respond. I pray you respond with a sincere heart today. If you're listening to this podcast, I pray you pull your car over or wherever you are and just get alone with God right now and listen to this voice. If you want Jesus Christ in your life, you need to bow your heart to God right now. And I want you to say these words. Come on. If you lifted your hand, I want everybody to say these words today. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Bible, for your word that shows us that we are broken and you are the only thing, the only person that can fix us. I confess today, I am a sinner. I have sinned. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Wipe away all my sins. I receive you today. I believe in my heart that Jesus is risen from the dead. And I confess him today. He is my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.